You are listening to the Twibbly Podcast, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. Comedy podcast looking back at This Week in History. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. You can find us and or message us over on Facebook and Instagram using TWWWBLY. Hey, welcome back to Twibbly, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. My name is Bill with one L. Coming all the way from Bad Street, USA, it's Jeff McLarge Huge. Hey, hey everybody. How you doing? I am swell. How are you? I am I'm having a blah. I'm having a blah day from today, and it's it's because of I think it's because of some stuff going on kind of at work. So wow. I mean, I mean, what my children describe as a funk, but not the oh. cool kind of funk like James Brown funk, or like <laughs> the bad kind of funk like the Stinkfoot funk. So, like Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, like that Marky kind of Mark. Funk. Yes, yes, played played <laughs> at the wrong speed. Yes, that's that's a the slow speed, you know. But yes, I know it's easier said than done, but people, you know, you have to be reminded from time to time is like you know don't don't take your work home with you. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's it's hard to remember to do that. It's like usually, you know, back when I could, I used to leave my work at work and, you know, use the commute to decompress from work uh-huh. to home. Now my commute well, is from the kitchen table to like the other side of the kitchen table, and I'm, I'm home now. Oh so right, yeah, I, don't I have forgot that about that. Time because I'm I'm remote. Leaving your work at home is when you can still see it from the couch, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the couch is like. Come lay on me and fall asleep, Jeff. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't. I have to read this stupid document over again because yeah. I'm sure that there are some mistakes in it. But I don't know. Every now and then, it's just it's it's hard to shake the the malaise of a lousy work day. There, there was a funny meme uh, that went around a couple of months ago. It says, "Work from home." <laughs> I don't even work from work, right? <laughs> There's a fantastic book that I read called "Bullshit." jobs by a guy named david graber he passed away this summer from COVID 19 sadly and the gist of the book is that you know a huge percentage of of work is sort of bullshit work it's work for work's sake even though people do it what the sort of the short-term takeaway from this is like one of the guys says you know his boss comes to him he's like can't you at least pretend to work and he's like hey you get paid more than i do why don't you just pretend i'm working oh that was bill hicks was it yeah, because it was, was a, in that book yeah, too. That's so. yeah, that's a Bill Hicks joke, right? Yeah, well, so go figure. But uh, yep. the book itself is is phenomenal, phenomenally good. I just actually recently we had a new guy working in my department. You know, he came in on Monday and he was saying, he "Goes, you know, I was thinking about this over the weekend." I was like, "Dude." Don't don't right. think about this over the weekend. Don't even put any thought into it. They don't pay you to right. think about it on your own time. I can't tell you or him how many times. You know, I'm a programmer mm-hmm. for CNC machines, and a lot of the, the stuff that comes down is like, how are we going to do this? They'll already have 
the order placed with the customer or the customer will already have the order placed with us. And right. they're like, yeah, we can make that. And then they'll come see me and they'll be like, how are we going to make this? And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. Right, <laughs> you know? Right. Maybe you should have said yes yet. But I always have a saying, you know, can it be done? Probably not. Can I do it? Probably, you right. know, but there's been times where I get so obsessed with this problem solving uh, aspect of my job that I'll be sitting in the parking lot waiting to go into the gym and thinking to myself, all right, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And then I literally have to stop myself and yeah. say, I get paid for the eight hours that I'm at work. They're not paying me to solve their problems when I'm at the gym. That's right. my time. You know, and it's true. And, and, and while I'm not sort of mulling over stuff as complicated as engineering problems like, like you are, but I'm still, you know, dealing with people and, and other problems and other stuff that I shouldn't have to deal with beyond that, you know, eight hours a day. It's like renting out space in my head for free to right. people I don't like. And I, I, I tossed and turned all night because of it last night. And there's no reason for that kind of stuff. And don't sell yourself short. Your stuff is every bit as complicated to me as my stuff is to you. Well, I appreciate that. Although yours has way cooler machines and robots and stuff, and mine is like Word documents. I can just write. I, see, but the thing is, I can write like kill all humans in a Word document, and it doesn't mean anything. You can write kill all humans, and a robot will kill all humans. <laughs> and like that's that's power beyond the those of mortal man. I have been told in the past to stop doing this, but I would put in the notes of the programs just like hilarious stuff. Like, well, to me, it's hilarious, but they're like, yeah, you can't can't do that anymore. Yeah. I was like, oh, come on. Right. Have a little fun, would you? Keeps things interesting. Keeps the robots happy. You don't want yeah. the robots unhappy. You'd be surprised how much of a sense of humor some of those ro robots have. Right, they, I would think. They love a good joke. One right. of them is really into practical jokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other one's big on wordplay. Wordplay, uh, yeah. yes. It's more of a, All right. a less slapstick and more, and more of the... Uh, yeah, screwball type comedy, I guess. Yeah, the one that was all into fart jokes we got rid of. Get out of here. Yeah, right. You plebeian. So anyway, um, speaking of wordplay, here's my trivia question for you this week. I just broke my anglet. What did I do? All right. So uh, an anglet, yep. uh, ironically enough, is this is the word I know from years and years of playing Scrabble with my dad. Wait, you, uh, might, you, know, my, you know my question? I know, I know the answer to this question, yes. What is it? And I know, like I said, I know this from years and years of playing Scrabble with my dad, the most ruthless asshole Scrabble player on planet Earth <laughs> when he was alive. And I know that Anglet is the end of a shoelace. Yes, it's the little plastic bit at the end of the shoelace. Yep. But I am not to be defeated, not this week. Um, uh, wait. All right. You got that one. What do I get? What do I win? Do I own a robot? Can I have a robot? I have a backup plan. That's what you win. Oh, man. I just cut my philtrum. What did I do? You cut the end of your shoelace off. No. The other shoelace. That was worth a try. My dad didn't know that word, I guess. All thanks right. a lot, Dad. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> At the end of the Still show, I will fill you in on what a philtrum is. It is the week beginning January the 18th, and uh, why, don't, why don't we let you start this week? All right. <laughs> I like stories like this because they're very bizarre. 1644, all the way back when uh, the, the very first pilgrims had landed here in the United States, or before they were the United States, there was a Massachusetts Bay Colony. Yep. Some confused guys rowing a boat out on the muddy banks of the Charles River report seeing something in the sky that they couldn't understand. So technically, it's the first reported sighting of a UFO in the United States by white people, I guess. Um <laughs> I don't know how to, how to qualify it otherwise. It follows the adventures of a guy named James Everill, 
who was rowing a boat with two other dudes, and all three of them saw some green light that came down from the heavens. It's a freaking, that's a northern lights, for Christ's sakes. I, I thought that, too, when I read the account. And, and then yeah. as, as I read the details in it, it became less likely that that was the case. Okay. So, like, they say they see this one green light that sort of comes to the ground, and then it goes back and forth really fast, and it turns into a pig, and then it flies to Charlestown, <laughs> and then it flies back, and then it flies to Charlestown again, and it flies back, and then it shoots up into the sky and disappears. And it was, like, over a couple of hours. There's nothing else to do in 1644 in the muddy banks of the Charles River. It's not like they can go, like, hey, let's go to the Hard Rock Cafe and get some food, or... Let's go, you know, somewhere else. There's nothing. It's just trees. Let's go to Mamakins. So they watch this thing, and, and I guess other people reported seeing it too. More contemporary views of this suggest that maybe swamp gas, the old standard from Project Blue Book days, right, uh, is what they saw. As I read this, the more I think about it, I think that maybe they, as as often happens, is people end up eating food made with moldy rye. Oh, and sure. they end up with a case of ergotism and have hallucinations. So in layman's terms, they were tripping their balls off is what you're saying. Tripping balls. That's yeah. right. With uh, some well, ergot poisoning. Yeah. Well, that's what they say. A lot of the, the stuff in the Salem witch trials, like these people were like, oh, and she turned me into a newt kind of a thing. It's like, no, you ate moldy bread and now you're, you know, you're basically on an acid trip. Definitely. Spe- speaking of which, it's just a side Piece. Did you did you see that movie the the witch it was out I don't know a year and a half ago or so with the two W's or the two V's the yeah vid? the two V's the, yeah the vitch yeah the vitch it was okay awesome a little I oh, thought I, I I found it slow but it was alright oh, I, I I found it slow the first time I watched it but it was super engrossing yeah and the second time I watched it I friggin loved it yeah a bit of a time loved getting it so through much it. I bought it. it it was like watching the King Richard's Fair in slow motion is what it was <laughs> <laughs> where do they throw the axes. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was like watching a Renaissance fair at half speed. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. All right, let's move on to the nineteenth January the nineteenth, nineteen eighty one. Sticks, the rock band Sticks, releases their <clears throat> concept album, Paradise Theater. <laughs> yeah, with the their big single from this one is "Too Much Time on My Hands." Yeah, and the best of times. It's a it's a fine album. I don't. I don't know why people call it a concept album, but kind of a theme to it, but it doesn't have a narrative. It doesn't tell a story. It's not. I like- don't. I, I never understood it. I always thought this record was like super duper overrated, and they they pimped this record like mad on MTV. Well, it came out the and same year as MTV. Too much time on my hands. That video was on eight hundred thousand million times a day. Yeah, but uh, I mean, to be fair, MTV had like eight videos to show, and Sticks was like yes. three of them, right? Yes, too much sticks on my hands. You know what was terrible for me at that time? Sticks has a song on that album called Rock in the Paradise, which is a, you know, it's a kicker, you know? Yeah. And they have that other song, The Best of Times, which is not a kicker. The Best of Times is slow. It's adult contemporary. Your mom likes that song kind of a thing. And I'm going to drop a roller skating uh, reference on that. That was always the couple's skate song right. for that, that year at Hot Wheels. Sure. <laughs> at the end of the Hot Wheels the day. Best of times. Yeah. But the problem yeah. is both of those songs, Best of Times and Rock in the Paradise, start out with the same tonight, tonight we'll make history kind of bit. Yep. And when I would start, I'd be like all psyched up because I really liked Rock in the Paradise. And then it would right. get to the second verse and find out it's the best of times. And I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, I got to sit through three minutes of this 
couple skating music. You can if you've listened to the um, the remastered version, you can actually hear Tommy Shaw's soul seeping <laughs> out of his body in the corner because he hates that song so much. Oh, yeah. um, There's another song on that album that they like quote unquote got in trouble for called Snowblind that during the Satanic Panic. I guess if you play part of that backwards, you can make out words that kind of resemble Satan moves our voices. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about that either. I don't know. I thought that was a song that they wrote about how, like, all the DJs who played their records were on coke. I thought that I remember that. Yeah, Snowblind. Yeah, it's about it's about cocaine. Yeah. yeah. And there's another great like a banger on that on that album called Half Penny Two Penny. All the really rocking songs are usually uh, written and performed by J.Y. the other the other yeah, guitar yeah, yeah. player. The one that kind of looks like he could be James James Hetfield's dad. <laughs> James Hetfield's dad with shoulder pads on for no good reason. <laughs> you could see the disaster of Kilroy was here coming from this record. Right. You could you could just see it, you know, from and, the and that's another from the one. super theatrical, like unnecessarily theatrical songs to yeah. the overproduction to the ladles of syrup. The concept that isn't a concept and the theme that isn't really a theme that's supposed to tie it together and make it important. It's just, it's not. Right. That's another thing you know? with uh, with Kilroy Was Here. Kilroy Was Here was supposed to be not only a concept album, it was supposed to be almost like a rock opera kind of a thing. But there's literally three songs on the album that have anything to do with the narrative. <laughs> yeah. The first yep. one, one in the middle, and the last one. The rest of it have nothing to do with it. Yep. All right, so moving on from one overrated thing to another, <laughs> as we discussed. This is definitely, we're supposed to be a positive podcast. Oh, no, here we are, like, we're no. shitting all over stuff this week. <laughs> we are God, t- I apologize, audience. It's, I, I bring the bad mojo today. It's because you have a bad mood. We're just Jesus, I'll try, and, I'll try and make it better. All right. 2008. Yep. January 20th, 2008. What would become a runaway hit and sort of genre-defining TV show Breaking Bad premieres on AMC. I don't like that show. <laughs> I, and I feel bad because I I also don't like it. And so again, it's it's the rock and the paradise of TV shows for me. It's like <laughs> like I'm super I'm super cognizant at time because of some of the health challenges that I've had. So I have a really hard time committing myself to like a TV program of, in any way, shape, or form. And and I I watched the first season of this show at the the hounding of my brother. Yep. I got to the end of the first I don't know what was thirteen or fourteen episodes of it. And I, I said, I, I can watch the next two seasons, I think, because there were three seasons of it at the time. Right. And I said, do I want to spend that much time with methamphetamine dealers? I, I don't. Like, I have more to life to, in, to, to deal with than this. And, like, I'm not finding the drama all that exciting. And, and I just, I, I couldn't find a character to identify with. Mm-hmm. I couldn't identify with any of them. I didn't, I didn't want any of them to be successful. I didn't want to be around any of them. They're people I wouldn't want to be around in real life. I didn't find them interesting. Mm-hmm. I just found them all, like, kind of scuzzy. My friend Mike was really, really trying to sell me on this show. Like, he was so relentless to the, to the point where I would, like, walk away from him because it was like, no, man, you got to watch this show. And I actually right. sat down and I watched it. I got through about three or four episodes, and I was like you. I was like, and there's no likable characters. There's no nobody I relate to, that's for sure. Right. You know, there's nobody I can get behind, and I don't care about the success or failure of anybody on this show. So right. I just stopped watching it after like the the fourth episode, and I was like, he was like, "Oh, did you watch it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I kind of shut it off after the fourth episode." He goes, "Oh no, you got to keep watching, man. Around season four, kids." I'm like, "Season four, right?" I gotta sit, yeah, dude. What kind of commitment is this? I- I'm not. I'm not gonna sit through thirteen episodes per season 
So this is like a day and a half out of my life before it right. starts getting good. Now nah, watch something else. <laughs> That's sort of how I how I ended up with it. Not my favorite. It's like uh, the Walking Dead too. Is I tried so hard to be interested in that program, and I I watched it for actually I watched a couple of seasons of that one, and realized that I was spending an hour a week with a bunch of characters too fucking dumb to find their way out of Georgia in four years. <laughs> On foot. I watched season one of that at the behest of, you know, planet Earth. I would watch it like on my tablet at the gym, you know, to pass the time. It was like the first season is only like six episodes or something like that. And it was like the second to the last episode. And there was two sisters and one of them was dying. And she was like Yoda dying in Return of the Jedi. It's like, all right, just die. Don't drag it out any further. The sister's like hanging over her going, I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. Seven minutes of, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, I, I was ready to throw the tablet across the gym. And that was another one. There wasn't any likable characters on the show that I was into. And like, I got to the end of the season one. I was like, that was enjoyable. I don't need to watch anymore. It didn't get any better after that. If you ask me. <laughs> but again, I, I problems with television just as, a, as an idea by virtue of how hard it is for me to sit down and spend and commit to anything people are like oh my god i watched i don't know pick some the boys it was amazing and i'm like yeah that's like 10 hours could i be doing that 10 hours instead uh, and it's not like i'm doing anything good with it yeah. i'm like watching five minute youtube videos of children kicking cats or some <laughs> other stupid thing it's one of those like i'd rather i don't feel like i have a commitment to do that whereas if i start watching some TV show, I feel like I have to watch it every week, and that's by virtue of maybe when we grew up, it was like, Buck Rogers is on on Friday night at 8. You have to be home at 8 on Friday night to watch Buck Rogers, because if you miss this week's episode, you won't see it again for two seasons until it goes into reruns, you know? And not only that, too, like back, you know, in the 80s, what else were you going to do? Homework? (laughs) I don't don't think so. Learn to... (laughs) Learn to program robots to kill all humans. Well, we tried to do that, but the TI-99 4As just weren't powerful enough. So My Tandy TRS-80. Right. Actually, I had the VIC-20. I had a little more power on my side. There you, go. you know what was funny about the VIC-20 is they had a whopping 5K of memory. I literally write bigger emails every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the TI-99 4A, oh, which... Texas Instruments. Yeah. Which, Texas Instruments, yeah. And with the with the voice modulator on it that would say things like, Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> I spent 75 hours writing a program for it to say that. All right, let's move on to the 21st. January 21st, we have a interesting holiday. It is Squirrel Appreciation Day. So not only is it like, <laughs> not only is it a holiday for, for squirrels the, the world over, but you have to like actually go out there and marvel at them and appreciate them like, hey, attaboy. <laughs> Hey, it's uh, gray tree rats that are afraid of me unless I'm, you know, unless I'm putting out bird seed, and then they want my bird seed and eat my bird feeders. Yes, I, I appreciate them. I often like to appreciate them with a BB gun from my porch. No, you do not. I I have a, a low power BB gun that just is meant, meant to scare them off. They they stop and look at you like, yeah. Like, you want to see something like you just call the tree rats? You don't get a really good appreciation of what a tree rat looks like until you've seen a squirrel down in Florida, because I think they're just tree rats in Florida, aren't they? Well, there's a there's an old uh, like old wise tale, I guess you could say, uh, up here in New England that it, you look at the squirrels' tails and you can tell what kind of a winter you're going to have because if they're really right. really fuzzy tails, it's going to be a bad winter. 
And that's kind of true because if you go down to Florida, the squirrels have almost no fur on their tails whatsoever. Those are rats. <laughs> a squirrel without a bushy tail is a rat. Yeah, well, that's what it is. It's a, it, Well, they call them squirrels. I've been to Florida. That, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Another thing, too, is I've seen squirrels all over the place in my travels. <laughs> when I was, a squirrel enthusiast, are you? I've been known to. <laughs> I've been known to squirrel from time to time. Uh, when we were up in Montreal, there was this one park that we were walking around in, and there was like absolutely squirrels galore but they weren't like skittish crazy afraid of you like they are like around here they didn't right. they didn't bother you they didn't come and sit on your lap or anything they kind of made believe you weren't there but they paid no attention to you and they were just everywhere running around and i was like oh my god canada even the squirrels are more polite right and then at Niagara Falls, this is really kind of weird and interesting about squirrels. Okay. You know, there's different breeds of squirrels, the brown squirrels like we have around here. And then there's, there's gray squirrels and then there's black squirrels. And you don't see black squirrels too often. But right. at, at, I don't know that I've ever seen one now that I think about it. Yeah. At, you go to Niagara Falls and when you go to Goat Island, which is where um, the horseshoe falls are, it's in, right. it's completely inhabited. Well, not completely inhabited. There's other people too, but uh, all the squirrels on Goat Island are all black squirrels. Okay. If you're not on Goat Island at Niagara Falls, you'll see primarily gray squirrels, and you'll see a couple of brown ones, but you won't see any. Okay. You won't see any black ones. But Goat Island, all black squirrels, huh. and they're crazy territorial. Like it's like gang wars. Because if any of the gray squirrels or the brown squirrels come over to Go Island, the black squirrels just attack them. It's like West Side Story. <laughs> Fuzzy tails. When you're a jet, you're a jet till the end. Yep. You know. <laughs> oh my God! They stabbed Squeaky. <laughs> So go around and appreciate them squirrels. Do we have to appreciate chipmunks who've dug up a bunch of holes in my yard? No, no, it's just strictly squirrel appreciation day. The war against the chipmunks continues unabated. January 22nd. January 22nd, 1874. Possibly the most useful utensil in the history of humans using utensils to eat is invented. When Samuel W. Francis receives a patent for this spork. You know, sometimes... Sometimes, Jeff, sometimes you bring up stuff that's a little too cerebral, like for me. Like we'll be going through the show and you'll be and you'll be like, oh, we could do this. It's about this guy that that nobody's ever heard of that did this thing that nobody's ever had any consequences from. And I'm like, right. okay. And then you'll just now you're like the most, you know, amazing utensil. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Here comes the chopsticks or something. Right. The nope. sport. Nope. Better than the chopsticks because you can use this device to eat. Soup or spaghetti or mashed potatoes. It is perfect. Yeah. yeah. It is the most perfect utensil of all. The spork. I'm sure the pitch was something like this. Look, I'm a busy man and you're a busy man. <laughs> and sometimes I don't have I don't have time for all this fold a roll with fork, spoon, and knife. How about if I condensed it by a third? <laughs> I give you the spork. Save time washing, save time eating, save time everything. We used to have this tradition. It started with my friend, and I swear, his name was Dave, but everybody just called him Biff. Don't even remember why. But he had this tradition that whenever we would go to Taco Bell, he would get the spork, but he wouldn't open it. He would just keep it in the bag. And then he would break the spork, and then he would hold it up and just like 
shake it around and start singing jingle spork jingle spork jingle all the way and then biff moved away biff moved to north carolina so and then like, did you go to like a special house with people like biff in it or where he was watched for 24 hours a day by professional doctors that could be happening right now biff last i heard was like ted kaczynski without the explosives he's like uh, living yeah he's like living in a shack completely off the grid he lost he, his it lost his mind. Just, just him and his spork. Yep. But what we used to do was we would grab the uh, the sporks at, whenever we would go out to eat at Taco Bell. We would always get sporks when we were done with our meal. Before we left, we would hold the sporks up and break them. And we, it was like, until Biff comes back, we shall break our sporks. There was a uh, an episode of This American Life where they focused on the the how they come up with the headlines and stories for the Onion. This is some years ago. Yep. And the one that one that was the funniest one that got pitched during that show was <laughs> man uses spork as knife. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it ever became an onion article, but that's so funny to think of like it's <laughs> you already got something that's a combination of two other utensils <laughs> and you're still using it like it's the third one. I, I don't know why it's so goofy, but it's it's was super goofy. So thank you, Samuel W. Francis, for your fantastic contribution to uh, economy of the kitchen. And think about like the, the two and a half second thought process it took to name it. Right. Yeah, a- <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. That's funny, right? Like, what could I call this? And considering it's 1874, I half expected it to be called like Dr. Samuel W. Francis's amazing <laughs> soup spaghetti scooper, you know, or something. <laughs> But it's not. He just was like, spoon, fork, it, spork, stick them together. Perfect. And we like to marvel at that like it's something like our generation came up with. No, 1874. He probably suffered like, he was in probably in the Civil War and he's like, I've got to find a way to eat this cornbread, but I've got a <laughs> knife and I've got a spoon. <laughs> like, if only I had something that was like the spoon and sharp like the knife and pointy, but I don't have the pointy thing. You know, and I have cornbread and porridge, and I only have one pocket in which to keep my utensil. Write this some letter back to like you know Charleston, South Carolina. Like, my darling Mabel, <laughs> I am sitting here on a box of ammunition in front of my tent after the Battle of Hanging Testicles Creek, and I wonder what if I were to invent a thing that were half spoon, half spoon, and half fork. Good God, you know, and whatever. And this is the most English, terrible, non-Southern accent ever in the history of things. But like, she reads the letter. And she's like, "I'm going to marry that man. <laughs> He'll be the spoke magnet of South Carolina." <laughs> All right, let's get on to the twenty-third. All right, January twenty-third, nineteen eighty-three. The Incredible Hulk Hogan beats the Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden. Securing the WWF World Heavyweight title, and thus Hulkamania was born. That was the pop culture phenomena of like that middle '80s year for sports entertainment. Oh yeah, like didn't that lead to his uh, his? I'm not going to say terrible movie, but terrible movie where he fought that cross-eyed guy. Oh, No Holds Barred. No uh, Holds Barred. Yeah. No Holds Barred came out. Oh, I'm going to say. A, a few years later, because around the same time that movie came out, he was feuding with Macho Man Randy Savage. Right. So that would have been around WrestleMania five, and if that was WrestleMania five, that would have been yeah closer to nineteen ninety. Oh wow, that far? Huh? Yeah, Hulk Hogan winning the belt is what started uh, Hulkamania. 
But the whole like wrestling is a worldwide phenomenon didn't happen a couple of years later and it was it was a slow rolling ball it's easy to look back at it and say that was the moment before that you know wrestling was more like a traveling carnival yeah 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 you would have the territories so you had like right. up here there was atlanta there was the smoky mountain areas it was right. Tennessee. yeah it was more of a yeah tennessee exactly um Texas, the, oh, yeah, all Texas, the Von Erich family. Texas with the Von Erichs, right. From. Yeah, and like you would you would have like some superstars, you know, for that area, and they would do their runs in, in their respective territory, and then they would travel to the next territory, and, uh, next territory, and everybody would trade off. And like sometimes they would get new gimmicks from one territory to the next, and nobody knew who each other were, you know, because right. it wasn't on national TV. I think the first time... Wrestling was really on national television would be some of the Atlanta stuff because it was on TBS. I remember watching it on TBS with the the fabulous Freebirds. Like I just Freebirds, that, yeah. was, that was your introduction uh, this week. Bad Street USA. So I remember from even further back than that. Now I'm talking like early 1970s when it used to be on UHF TV on Saturdays. Okay. And that's where I saw Chief J Strongbow and wild boy whatever the hell his name was was his tag team partner it's where i first saw andre the giant yep and like bob backland and that would have been like uh vince mcmahon senior you know vincent yeah. vincent kennedy mcmahon's father's uh early territory stuff right yeah i mean right. i mean there was there was famous wrestlers you know you know prior to that i mean the legendary gorgeous george and all that but hulk hogan was that first one that just broke as they call it, that glass ceiling where it was like it was more multimedia. He would go on all the talk shows. He was very charismatic, you know. Right. He'd go on the talk shows. They put him in movies. They put him on, you know, in television shows and music videos and whatnot. Right. And like the big joke of everything was that Hulk Hogan was a terrible wrestler. They used to say stuff like the guy couldn't didn't know the difference between a wrist lock and a wrist watch, but. If if you if you want to see something, look up Hulk Hogan's matches whenever he was wrestling with New Japan or uh, you know in in Japan, because Vince McMahon protected Hulk Hogan. He didn't want Hulk Hogan getting injured, so he didn't let him do any high risk kind of moves. It was just all right. body slams and punches and stuff like that. But if you watch these wrestling matches from Japan with Hulk Hogan, you'll see him like doing these like flying drop kicks, and they're like, "Wait a minute, that's Hulk Hogan?" Yeah, when he's unchained, he was actually a decent wrestler. Right, right. Wow. Yep. I remember when he turned heel back uh, when he went over to WCW. And yep, in the in the NWO, right? In the NWO, yeah. I mean, the guy has had uh, a number of lives in just just within wrestling. You know, he was the biggest thing in wrestling in the 80s. And then, again, the biggest thing in wrestling in the 90s with the NWO. I have actually have never never been a huge Hulk Hogan fan. We're pissing all over everything this week. And, um, <laughs> but, I mean, I'll give, I'll give the devil his due. The guy, the guy had it. And, he, you know, he brought in the money. He sold the T-shirts. He said the prayers. And he took his vitamins. Right. And, and those vitamins uh, were steroids. Yep. And yes, they were. <laughs> and, and he beat the Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik gives some of the funniest interviews you will ever hear. Yeah. 
Uh, I've met the I, I never met Hulk Hogan, but I met the Iron Sheik. He is so he, he can barely speak English, mm-hmm. but what he can speak is hilarious. He's wicked oh, nice. funny. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Next up, we have the 24th. What do you got? Yes, January 24th uh, in 1935, the Kruger Brewing Company releases their first and the first canned beer in the United States. It's actually the first canned beer sold in the world. Oh, wow. But it was invented in the United States at Kruger Brewing Company. Yes, so every every can of beer, uh, those of you out there who drink beer, uh, pop. You can owe it to Kruger Brewing Company. It's kind of cool, actually. You ever see those old cans? Yeah, you have to use a thing to pop them open, and they're way heavier than than the like the aluminum cans that we have now. I don't know if they oh, were yeah. tin or or what. I don't know but... what. I mean, they're like yeah, they're like wicked thick soup cans. Yeah, and, and it's and the thing is like you know the with with beer cans, you just think of like the the frat boy trope of like and then like smashing the beer over their yeah. head and all yeah, that. Yeah. You you do that with one of those and you're right. you're gonna have a concussion. Yeah. Yeah, you try and do that with like, like try and do that with a tomato soup can. That's, that's <laughs> not gonna happen. You're gonna knock yourself out. With the um, corner, like the edge. The Ooh. <laughs> but I yeah, so that that actually it did not take long for that to become the dominant way in which uh, both America and world's breweries were making beer that was shelf stable and it was way less expensive ultimately became easier to recycle later when that became a, a big part of um, uh, waste management. Yep. And it reduced the demand for, for brown and green glass. So it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. And and you'd be surprised that can technology is still still goes on. It's Cans themselves were pretty much invented by the aluminum company that was attached to Coors Beer in the earlier 1900s, or 19, 1905, 1910, something like that. Like they started to to put to put out uh, water and other stuff in cans, and then Kruger, I guess, bought the or or started to was the first one to put beer in it. I just imagine the uh, the purists at the time like I only like it in bottles. What is this can? Oh, it's got to wait. How do I how do I get into this? What do I just do? What is this? All the way around the top, and it's really sharp. I don't know if I want to put my mouth on that. Like so, no, that's why. That's why if you buy, it's still if you buy a can opener, a cheapo can opener, a cheapo bottle opener, it's yeah. going to have that arrow pointy part. That's for opening liquid um, cans, like yeah. beer cans uh, from that era. That's how I foolishly open my tomato sauce. Yes. When I really should be doing it the other way. Yes, you should. Now that you mentioned it. <laughs> When I buy beer cans, they have a thing on the top that opens it for me. Let's get on to the celebrity birthdays. Hey, you know, we've been taking a piss all over everything this episode, but you know what we haven't talked enough about? Wrestling. Uh, (laughs) uh, Celebrity birthdays, January the 18th, 1954, the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, and also 1969, Dave Bautista. Uh, So. So as far as wrestlers go, I only remember Ted DiBiase as a manager, and I never saw Dave Bautista wrestle. So. Oh wow! Well, you you yeah. got off you got off board uh, late. Ted DiBiase was actually an excellent, excellent, excellent wrestler. They actually never put the belt on him. He never had the world title, or uh, he had like the tag title at one point in uh, in the WWE, but they never really put any gold on him. He was always a bad guy. He never he never played a face. He was always a bad guy. He was basically just because because he was such a great wrestler, 
he was good at making other people look good. Yep. So, yeah, basically he was just somebody to go in there and get beat up. He's a jobber. He wasn't a jobber. He was a, a really big heel. He was the guy you wanted to see the good guys beat up. You follow me? A jobber is just somebody who goes in there to, like, you don't even know the guy's name. Like, Carl! All right. <laughs> From parts unknown, it's yeah. Frank, uh, what's that, what's Frank Johnson? Is that it, Johnson? Yeah. Frank Johnson, everybody. It's the masked executioner who, for some right. reason, is a good head and shoulders shorter than he was last week. <laughs> the shock master. Yeah. Oh, oh, look, he's come through the wall and smashed his face. Yeah. So, yeah, the, that's the difference between a jobber and, okay. like, a, a big-ass heel like like Ted DiBiase was. Right. And then Dave Batista, who went on to uh, international fame and fortune as Drac the Destroyer in right. the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yep. He's another one, like, he's really good as a heel. They put the belt on him a couple of times, but he was better as a heel. He was better as a bad guy, I thought. Oh. My wrestling two cents. Well, All right, next... Go. Yes, January 19th, 1954, uh, Katie Segal, the American actress and singer-songwriter, she is probably best known as playing Peggy Bundy on Married with Children oh, yeah. and being the voice of the uh, cyclopean hero, sort of, of Futurama, Leela Taronga, or Taronga Leela. Favorite wow. of mine. She's always thought she was really funny, did really good things with Married with Children, and has been consistently good on Futurama, one of the, one of the best-written science fiction characters in a long time. So here's a little piece of trivia that I know about Katie Segal that like okay. nobody else seems to know. So in 1978, for whatever reason they thought was a good idea, the members of Kiss all put out solo albums. We've discussed this before. Yes. And Gene Simmons' solo album had huge amounts of production on it. And right. one of the background singers on a number of those songs is Katie Segal. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Yeah, she's a she's got a fantastic voice. All right. Next up on January the twentieth, nineteen thirty, American hero Buzz Aldrin, wow. uh, second man to walk on the moon, first man to punch out a conspiracy theorist on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, his his Buzz Aldrin. You know, traveled two hundred fifty thousand miles, walked on the moon, came back, and then some. <laughs> Dickhead, you know, who wasn't even born when it happened, like gets in his face. is like, you're a coward. You're a cheat. And then Buzz Aldrin's like, coward. Boom. And just knocked him out. out. I, I can yep. imagine, like, if that dude sued, what that trial must have been like. Like, your honor. And I'm here representing Mr. Aldrin. While it's true, the defendant did approach him in a belligerent manner. And that, and that uh, my, my client punched him directly in the face and knocked him out cold. On camera, as we watched, much to the uh, laughter of the jury, he walked on the moon. I think <laughs> that we should dismiss this case. And, and that. the judge is just sitting there, like biting his knuckle, <laughs> laughing. Right. And like, you don't know. I've seen it. Right. It's great. It's great. It's great. <laughs> it's, uh, did you get that strong? Because it's such zero. It's like six times less gravity on, on, the, on the moon. Is that what it is? Is that why you were able to hit him so hard? <laughs> it must be a science thing. Case dismissed. Bam. Uh, yep. Yeah. So I had to look up because nobody names their kid Buzz. Yes. All right. Well, not in, not in 1930, they don't. Uh, I looked up. I was like, what is this guy's real name? His real name is Edwin. Mm -hmm. But he had a, a, a sister who, as a very young girl, couldn't say brother. Yeah. 
So she said she mispronounced it buzzer. Oh, oh, that's so makes sense. Just, so he just yeah, that that's kind of cool that it stuck that way. It's better than name than Edwin. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they just called him yeah Buzz for short. Oh. Yep. Oh, and then he actually legally changed his name to Buzz in 1988. Yeah, why wouldn't you? I'm surprised he waited that long. I'd have, I'd have put that application yeah. in right from the goddamn moon. Like, <laughs> I'm writing this with a pen that writes in space, and I'm on the moon, so this is my forwarding address. While I'm trying desperately to enjoy my ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and my roast beef that comes out of a toothpaste tube. Please change my name to Buzz. Also, I'd like to name the moon after me. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I'll punch you in the face if you don't. And I'll punch you in the face if you don't if you don't think I'm here. Yeah. All right. There's pictures, damn it. Next up. All right. January 24th, 1956. Uh, American actress Gina Davis, mostly known for being in Beetlejuice and The Fly, is born in Wareham, Massachusetts. So right near us. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, she's right from us. And she actually went to the same college that I went to. I don't think she graduated from it, but she was a student of New England College. Where where I went, Henniker, New Hampshire. She spoke at the graduation either before or after I graduated. Oh, wow. So, yeah. She's a master archer. Like, she was almost in the Olympics. Oh, I had no idea. You didn't know that? That's, that's like what? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Well, I mean. No, I, I, I knew she went to the same college as me, but I didn't know she <laughs> She probably got there on an archery scholarship. <laughs> we didn't have an archery program, by the way. <laughs> but she got there, she threatened, and she went in there with her. I was just going to say, she's got, she's got the, 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 the arrow notched and the bow pulled back to her cheek like, you're going to get me a Pell Grant. Yep. I think my, my favorite movie with her in it is Quick Change with Bill Murray. Mine's Transylvania 65,000. Yes, I, I know. That, I knew that that one was yours, yes. But I think Quick Quick Change is my favorite for, for how, how funny she is in that movie. Yeah. Pretty good in Earth. Earth uh, well, Earth, Girl, Earth Girls Earth are Girl easy. Reason, yeah, yeah. Which she was in with Jeff Goldblum that she was also in yep. The Fly with. And she was married to him. Yep. Oh, wait. Yep. And Jeff Goldblum was in Transylvania 65,000. Wow, they did a bunch of movies yep. together. Yes. Oh, okay. He, did you know that she was almost an Olympic quality archer? <laughs> hey, you know who else uh, all, also almost made it to the Olympics as an uh, as an archer was uh, January twenty second, nineteen forty six, Malcolm McLaren, who has actually probably never picked up a bow in his life. I'm just making that up. Right, 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 right. Uh, Malcolm McLaren was the famous manager of the Sex Pistols. He owned a clothing shop in England called Sex. You know, that's where all like all the punkers used to go and hang out and stuff like that. And somebody had right. said to him, they were like, you should like start a band. Right. That's how the Sex Pistols happened. He was like, hey, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do this. And right. we're going to have a band. And you wear clothes from my shop and we'll advertise the shop. Right. And then that's how they got yep. their name, the Sex Pistols, because the name of the shop was Sex. Right. Sex Pistols, you know who they are, so he must have been a, a decent manager. Later on, you know Adam and the Ants, obviously, right? Yep, yep. So, the, yep, the original Adam and the Ants, Malcolm McLaren swooped in like the vulture that he was and yep. grabbed... He stole the Ants. Yeah, he grabbed the band, almost the whole band, and started another band called Bow Wow Wow, who, pe- yep. who people would know as the, uh, the band that did I Want Candy. Right. Yep, yep, so that's Malcolm McLaren. He also had a couple of singles of his own. The one I remember from recording it for the Dr. Demento show, and there's a video of it, too. You can find it on YouTube, is of him doing the old square dancing song, The Buffalo Gals. Buffalo Gals go around the outside, around the outside, oh my around the outside. Oh, my God. I remember that, but I completely yeah. forgot it was Malcolm McLaren. Yep. 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 That was him. Oh, jeez. 
two Buffalo gals going around the outside, around the outside, around the outside. This is such a dumb song, yeah. but it's really weird of, to watch him do it because I don't, I don't know what the point is. It's like it's, it's almost like he's kind of dunking on everybody by saying like, ah, yeah, well, look what I can do. Yeah. Yep. Next up, ah, January twenty third, eighteen thirty two. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop something that I really like in here. Uh, Edouard Manet, the French impressionist painter, um, probably best known that you've seen his work. I know you have. If you've seen Luncheon on the Grass, he's born in Paris, France, and Impressionist painting is interesting in that it's not a painting so much of a person as it's a painting of an activity where the people are indistinct. Luncheon on the Grass is literally a load of people sort of stretching out along this this river um, in France, and it's beautiful. You know what's interesting about that painting? Is Bow Wow Wow recreated <laughs> that painting on one of their album covers. Did they really? Yes, they so, did. so there you go. Yep. So I knew there was going to be a connection here somewhere. So so there's that. So there's... All right. And wrapping up the birthdays, one of my favorite comedic heroes, January the 24th, 1949, John Belushi. He, did he give up when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> no, he did not. Uh, <laughs> John Belushi, you know, starting out on Saturday Night Live with the rest of the not quite ready for primetime players. Right. Um, for me, that was like my, uh, my first like celebrity death that kind of punched me in the stomach, you know, because I, I was such a fan of the Blues Brothers. Every time that movie came on HBO, I would watch it and stuff like that. Uh, 1941, which I actually did not see until later on. Of, yeah. I, yeah. Wow, Bill Kelso. Let me hear your guns. What? Yeah. Of, <laughs> your guns. Yeah. Of course, Animal House. And even a movie that was like a total flop, Neighbors, which he did with yeah. uh, with Dan Aykroyd, which was yeah, it. playing a straight man. Yeah, he was yeah. a straight man. Dan Aykroyd was a stooge. He kind of switched yeah. places. Kathy yeah. Moriarty and uh, Dan Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. John Belushi, you know, could do it all. He could sing. He danced. He was uh, hilarious. Yep. It was uh, it was too bad that he uh, he uh, he left us so early. Funny story. Yes. Funny story about John Belushi was I forgot what movie they were filming. He had like some time off, so to speak. Like he had some downtime for like an hour or two. Yeah. So he walked across the street from where they were filming, rang the doorbell of like somebody's house, and was like, "Hi, I'm John Belushi. Can I take a nap?" And he like took a nap what? on their couch. <laughs> That's a fun one. Yeah, it's, he seems like the kind of person that could get away with that too. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, he had a great voice. The 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 Blues Brothers soundtrack is is an album I still go back to over and over and over again. Uh, great songs on that album. You know what song is not on that album though? The worst song ever. What what do we have? What do you have this week? What is our contender this week for the worst song ever? Because I know because. We've been putting this show together. This is like episode 20-something or whatever. And we discussed like, oh, what was the number one song this week? And then there was a couple of weeks ago you were like, oh, <laughs> we got to do this song. I was like, it's coming up. Yeah. It's coming up. It's coming and up, it's yeah. here. So I know you've been Give champing at the bit. What is the I worst am. song ever for this week, it, Mr. McLarge? This week's worst song ever is the eight minute and 32 second fourth longest song to ever go to number one pile of confusion known as miss american pie by don mcclain you will know this song because one once you hear it it will never ever ever stop bouncing around in your head overplayed when it was new in 1972 
and it was overplayed when it was old in 1982, and it was overplayed in 1992, and it's overplayed now. So yeah, we're talking about, of course, Don McLean's American Pie. That's one of those songs and, where, like, like whenever karaoke was like a thing, and uh, like you, you go to the bar, and then you just sit here those long, long, I'm like, oh no, this is gonna be the worst nine minutes of the night. Right. Uh, I'll have a double of whatever I was having before. <laughs> so you get eight and a half minutes to kill. The thing is, like, people who are singing at karaoke for the first time, at some point, they must be in the middle of that, and they're like, what the f- hell is this song <laughs> even about? Because it goes from the whole, like, the day the music died line, you know, yep. to uh, delivering papers and whatever, to this whole thing with the Joker and the King and the marching band and the friggin' woman and whatever. And it's all like impressionist. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't do impressions. My my training right. is in psychology. It's it's open to a lot of I- interpretation because it's ambiguous. Theories to what it's about are that you know it's about the end of the 1950s and innocence and the change in America from that idyllic. I'm saying this with air quotes because in 2020 we know that the 50s weren't idyllic if you weren't white. This the idyllic 1950s to the to the tumultuous 1960s and that 10 year period between 59 and 69 and and ultimately that's what it was about. But it's so cloaked in horse and bad rhymes that. It's it's hard to make sense of it and not roll your eyes so far back in your head that you're looking at your own brain. Even though we all know what song we're talking about, let's play the all-too-familiar chorus. We're not going to play all eight minutes and 32 uh, seconds, are no, we? No, absolutely not. I started singing bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye and singing this will be the day that I... This will be the day that I die. Now for you know years, what really gets me about like this song? I mean, not no Don McLean, notwithstanding. In the year 2000, Madonna released a cover of American Pie. Yep, it still you know, sucks. It's, it's beyond sucks. I I I I venture that I think it's worse than the original because it's kind of like this like yeah. dancey number, and like in the video, she's like dancing up a storm. It's like you know, the day the music died is, a, you know, you know about the death of Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and Richie Valens. Money, you don't seem too broken up about the whole thing. Yeah, and again, it's it's a testament to the, the fact, I guess, that the ideas in the song are meant to be good. Like, I have a problem with nostalgia for mm-hmm. nostalgia's sake, ironically enough, being on this yeah. podcast with you. But, like, something that so desperately calls back to when I was a kid and things were great and I didn't have to worry about it except for delivering newspapers. Yeah, yeah that's fine. But in the 70s, we ended up with, like, Happy Days, Nostalgia, American Hot Wax, Nostalgia, uh, Laverne and Shirley, Nostalgia. Uh, we ended up with, was George Lucas's first big movie? Well, I don't forget, like, later on, we had that 70s show and that, et cetera, et cetera. Well, but, like, the 70s were, like, super, super tough about dragging in the 1950s and, like, the whatever the 1950s ideals that people imagined. Turn in were, all communists! You know? <laughs> you know, and it, it like this is like the very nascent beginning of that, that already longing for that like nuclear family sort of myth of America that the song is full of. Now, I don't love, I don't, like I said, I like folk music, but I don't love Don McLean. I don't like Don McLean's music pretty much at all. 
he's got some other songs that were moderately popular, but none went as as far in the charts as this one. I don't know if you know the song Vincent about Vincent Van no. Gogh, where he it starts out with Starry Night, Starry Night, blah blah blah, and he sort of talks about the painting and Vincent Van Gogh at the same time. It's a nice piece. It's also incredibly boring. I was about to say, it sounds and boring. <laughs> incredibly boring as a man with a one guitar and finger picking can be. But this song is different in that it's got a whole band with it. It's super produced. It's big. It's a big, big song. And because it's a big, big song, it's it's a staple on it's still a staple on 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 radio. The only thing I like about him is the quote that I like about him is he keeps he kept being asked what the song was about. And basically he said, it means I don't ever have to work again if I don't want. <laughs> I, I can appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> my, and this American Pie uh, song follows my life. I don't have many standards in my life, but this is one of them. I don't like a song, and I don't even like the Weird Al parody of it, then I really right. don't like that song. And I don't like the Weird Al parody of uh, The Saga Begins, which is based on American Pie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You failed, Don McLean. You failed us all. <laughs> I blame you for the death of the Big Bopper. And I also blame all your fault. I blame Don McLean whenever I cut my philtrum. My trivia question at the beginning of the show oh. was I said I cut my philtrum. And what happened? What did I do? Philtrum is the, the bottom seam on a tube of fluoridated toothpaste. I almost jumped through the screen at you because I thought you were going to guess the, the thing. Because... The philtrum is that groove that separates your right side of your mouth from the left side of your mouth, that little groove underneath your nose. Oh, okay. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I cut my philtrum while I was shaving my mustache. Oh. Yep. Oh, well, there you go. That little groove there on your lip there, that is called the philtrum. The philtrum. Aren't you smart now? Yeah. You're smart. Aglet and philtrum. So there we go. But that shall wrap up the angriest episode Yes, we'll we'll be we'll be happier next week, everybody. Oh, honest. How, how can you not? Well, I certainly will not be listening to Miss American Pie thirty eight times in advance of this show, so that I could talk about it. And all right, but that wraps up this week, guys. We will see you next week. Have a great week, everyone. Say good night, Jeff. Good night, Jeff. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Special thanks to James Costa for our theme music. Find us or message us on Facebook and Instagram at Twibly or T W W W B L Y. Subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends. They probably need a cool podcast to listen to as well. And if you don't like this week's episode, there'll be one next week and it'll probably be better. <laughs>